0: The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to Luke. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to eat with him, and he went into the Pharisee's house and took his place at the table. And a woman in the city who was a sinner, having learned that he was eating in the Pharisee's house, brought an alabaster jar of ointment. She stood behind him at his feet, weeping. Teacher, he replied, speak. A certain creditor had two debtors. One owed five hundred denarii and the other fifty. When they could not pay, he canceled the debts for both of them. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the greater debt. And Jesus said to him, you have judged rightly. Then turning toward the woman... Have been forgiven. Hence, she has shown great love. But the one to whom little is forgiven loves little. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. But those who were at the table with him began to say among themselves, who is this who even forgives sins? And he said to the woman, your faith has saved you. Go in peace. The gospel of the Lord. May the words of my mouth
1: and the meditations of our hearts be ever-pleasing in your sight, our Lord and Redeemer. Amen. I wanted to bring Father's Day and today's Lessons on Forgiveness into a single sermon, but it just didn't work for me. Instead, I will begin by saying Happy Father's Day to all you fathers and grandfathers and fathers-to-be and surrogate fathers. I hope your day will be richly blessed. Personally, I was never a big fan of singling out one day to honor fathers and mothers. I always told our children that they should be nice to me every day. (laughs) The underlying theme of our lessons today is one of repentance and forgiveness. Every time I hear the story of David, Bathsheba, and Uriah, I find myself becoming judgmental and angry. The Old Testament text today begins with the death of Uriah, Bathsheba's husband. But to fully understand David's situation, we need to step back and take a look at what happened right before Uriah's death. David the best remembered of the kings of Israel and one set apart by God to lead the nation, sins. While his army is out fighting against the Ammonites, led by Joab, the commander-in-chief of the army, David is home walking in the palace grounds. He sees a beautiful young woman, Bathsheba, bathing. He inquires as to who she is, sends for her, and commits adultery with her. She conceives the child and David conspires with Joab <clears throat> to have Uriah, her husband, sent home from battle. And David tries unsuccessfully to get Uriah to lie with his wife so that he will think that the child is his. When this fails, David has Uriah sent to the front lines of the battle where he is killed. And David then takes Bathsheba as his wife. This is where I get judgmental. Sounds like a bad movie. God is very displeased with David, and he sends Nathan the prophet to confront him. This he does by telling David the story of the rich man who has a flock of sheep and a poor man who has only one little lamb, whom he treated almost as his child. One day the rich man stole the one lamb from the poor man and he had it for lunch. David became outraged at the injustice towards the man who had but a single lamb and cried out that the rich man should be killed for all that he had done. Nathan then tells him, you are the man. David, having been pulled into the story, is now able to see himself and what he has done from another's perspective, with a startling clarity, and he repents. I have sinned against the Lord, he says. Nathan seemed to know that underneath the pride and sin that had overpowered David's conscience, there was a spirit of justice and mercy. David's relationship with God is not broken because he confessed his sinfulness and asks forgiveness. As unprincipled and devious as David was, God did not abandon him. And we can learn from this. When we stray or we sin, we are given many warnings and chances to repent before God allows our sins to break our relationship with God. If it is broken, it is we who turn from God. God does not turn from us. God did not break his personal covenant with David, and God does not break the covenant relationship he has with each one of us through Jesus. The gospel lesson today takes up where David's story leaves off. The unnamed woman, a sinner, is shown anointing Jesus with expensive oil and loving tears because she has sought and experienced his forgiveness. We, as did the young woman who anointed Jesus, have access to God's loving forgiveness through Jesus. When we repent, we are forgiven. Sin no longer has a hold on us. We have been set free by Jesus' death and resurrection. No one knows what is on another person's heart but God. Simon assumed that if Jesus were a prophet he would not know what kind of he would know what kind of woman this was and Jesus would not tolerate her behavior instead Jesus forgave the unnamed woman because he did know what was on her heart Simon and the others thought they knew and judged her as unrighteous Jesus looked upon the woman as she anointed him and was deeply moved by her great love and faith and desire for forgiveness. And Jesus says to Simon, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which were many, have been forgiven. Hence she has shown great love, a reminder that those who love much are forgiven much. Paul tells us, All fall short of the glory of God. There is a solidarity in the sinfulness of the human race. And like David and the unnamed woman, we can take heart and have hope because the merciful bounty of God's grace cannot be limited. Jesus forgives and told us to forgive seven times 70 if necessary. David and the unnamed woman were given another chance because they repented and were forgiven. We are given that same chance, seven times 70, over and over again, not only to seek forgiveness, but to also give it. Since I have retired, I've been spending one day a week at the local prisons helping to facilitate programs on alternatives to violence and emotional awareness to inmates in medium security facilities. I know that many of you here at Trinity have been involved with the prisons for years, but it is new for me. And it's been one of the most humbling experiences I think I've had in my lifetime. We are they. I've been deeply touched by the volunteers and the inmates. And in particular, I want to share with you the story of one volunteer coordinator of the program with whom I've worked. This is the person who became involved in prison work in a quest to forgive. The volunteer's daughter was raped and murdered on the West Coast in her early 20s. He and his wife were devastated and tried their best to cope with this horrific loss. He found that an unwillingness to forgive was eating him up. He made the decision to visit his daughter's murderer in prison and forgive this man for his terrible crime. The murderer did not want to be forgiven and would have nothing to do with the volunteer. He continued to live with his unrest until at a prison conference the following year, he met a man who had committed the same crime against another young woman as had been committed against his daughter. The difference being this prisoner did want to be forgiven, but his victim's family wanted nothing to do with him. Thus began a relationship between this volunteer seeking to forgive and a prisoner seeking forgiveness that continues to this day. Since that time, the volunteer has devoted himself to working with prison inmates. He is no longer held bondage by the need to forgive. He has moved on, an inspiration to all who are privileged to know him and to work with him. And there is the inmate seeking forgiveness who has been in prison for 25 years and will probably remain there for life. His childhood was fraught with violence. He stabbed a man in a street fight when he was 17 years old. He could have been my son or your son. And he said at one of our gatherings, I'm not the same person I was when I was 17. I'm a different person. I can't change what happened. But I have changed inside, and I'm so sorry for what I did. One of the other inmates asked him why he even bothered taking these self-help courses. If he wasn't ever even going to get out. And he answered, if I can help one of the younger guys not to mess up like I did, then maybe my life will have made a difference. I believe God honors what is on this man's heart. It is with loving tears that both David and the unnamed woman, my volunteer friend and the inmate, move on. Their tears are a sign of their experience of forgiveness and their loving embrace of that experience. That kind of experience is offered to each one of us here today. And for that, we can thank God. Amen.